0: Would you please stand, if you're able, at this time, as we read God's word? Today's scripture comes to us from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word for us this morning. You may be seated. Tell you what, we've been blessed so much already, we could almost go home right now. Don't get up. You ain't going nowhere. Elder John Y., thank you for reading the scriptures for us this morning. Grace Community, thank you for being here. We're just uh, looking forward to uh, this time that we have here together this morning. My name is Paul Hansen. I'm the pastor of Global Outreach for Grace Community Church. And we're looking forward to this uh, opportunity that we have together. And what we're going to do today is as we uh, wrap up our um, series that we've been a blessing our community, we're going to just see how far that blessing goes. I so mean, make no mistake, God wants to bless you. And the reason, though, that God wants to bless you is that he wants to make you a blessing. And again, today we're going to just see how far that actually goes, which we'll see goes into All the world. Few things. Speaking of going to all the world, we have a Guatemala mission trip coming up. You saw in some ways that we serve our local community right now through backyard Bible clubs. There's also the opportunity where we do seek to be a light far and wide. And so we have the Guatemala mission trip that's coming up at the end of July and into early August. Uh, We have that team all assembled. It's too late to go on this particular team, but we still need some folks to help this team get where they need to go. Number of things that need to happen. We're looking to collect Bibles and um, food for 20 Guatemalan families. Families, 50 wheelchairs, and we have two building projects lined up with a goal, faith goal of $17,000. If you would like to be part of that team and helping them go, because I always like us to think about this. We're not just sending a small team. We are the team as a whole. Just we all have different roles. And so, if you would like to help that team, uh, you can go to graceb3.org/slash/focusgiving up till now. In the next several weeks, we'd like to try to send them off well. Next week, if you end up coming to the third service, you will be in a class all by yourself. I can guarantee it. Um, because we are actually moving from our three-service schedule to two services starting next week. And so we will be going to 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. And we'll be remaining in those times until further notice. So just keep note of that. Also today, you might notice there's a lot of short people in here. Um, and, and those short people are pretty important. We don't have kids' classes going right now. They're joining us in the auditorium. So if you are 12 and under, can you raise your hand? Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of us, let's put our hands together for welcoming them here. So good to have you here, guys. To be very clear, you know, this isn't the church of tomorrow. This is the church of today. And so we believe that you're going to have some very strategic ways of being involved in this service, kids. And specifically, I got some things for some kids in here today that can answer some questions for me. All right? And so I'm going to ask some questions. Adults, you are ineligible for these questions. So you be quiet, I'm going to have something else for you to do in a minute, but if you're 12 and under, I got some questions for you as it relates to the topic that we're going to cover today. Today we're going to be talking about God's heart for the world, God's heart for the nations and how that affects you and me and how he has called us and blessed us that we might be a blessing uh, both far and wide. So again, 12 year olds, raise your hand, raise your hand, where are you at? Just get some of them where it get a little uh, okay. I'm going to ask some questions and what I'm going to be looking for, what I'm going to be looking for will be those that can have their hand the tallest and their mouth the most shut as possible. Okay? So that's what I'm going to be looking on if you have my questions. So here to see, let's just uh, come up with one. Who can tell me how many people are there in the world today? How many people are there in the world today? You don't have to give me the exact number. Okay? <laughs> How many? What do we got? Yes, sir. Seven billion. Let's give. there you go. That is a, a world for you, what he's getting. So adults, yes, you can be envious. This is a little globe that we're, a little sponge globe we're passing out. They're not hard, so don't worry. I'm not whipping it at kids, okay? They're soft. They're squishy, okay? They won't leave a dent. All right, so that was one question. Uh, okay, here's, a, here's another one for us, uh, kids. Let's think about this. So this is a very famous Bible verse. It comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. And it says, for God so loved the blank. What is that? Yes, ma'am, way in the back. World. The world. And here comes the world right at you. Oh, there we go. Maybe that did hurt. Okay. Okay. Very good. One last one. One last one. Um, we have missionaries. We also call them field staff. We send out to a number of different countries. Who can tell me either one of the countries or I'll even give you one of the continents. Okay? One of the countries or one of the continents that we, Grace Community Church, have field staff at. Yes, ma'am? Indonesia. Indonesia. Boom, boom. Good job. Give them a hand, can you? Excellent. Excellent. Now, adults, you don't get squishy globes, I'm sorry, no, but what you do get is to get to participate as we move forward in understanding God's global perspective for the world, how it affects you and how it affects me. So I'd like you to take your Bibles, if you have your Bible... And if you have some foolish electronic thing like an iPad or a phone, that will do too. Put that in your right hand, please. Put it in your right hand. And if you say, I don't have a Bible, I don't have an iPad, I don't have a phone. There's a Bible in front of you in one of the, tr- the, 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 the pews of one of the seats. Go ahead and just pick it up real quick. And I'm going to reference something, Psalm 118. So put it in your right hand. Right hand, people. Come on. Instructions. There we go. Right hand. Okay. And I'd like you just to repeat after me. Ready? This comes from Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, it is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Okay, you can put your Bibles down. Thank you very much. The reason, again, we're doing that is because as we engage with this idea, God's heart for the world, as he calls us to expand our heart, we want to make sure we are on firm ground and we are expanding that heart with our understanding of what the scriptures teach us. And so as we finish up our series of blessing our community, what we're going to see is that ultimately discipleship is a global affair. Okay? Let's go ahead and pray together, can we? Father, um, as we go into this time, we pray, Lord, that you would help us, that you would give us understanding from your word. Lord, we are asking that you would develop convictions of heart so that we might be a church that truly is effective in global outreach, Lord. We don't want to waste the time or the opportunity afforded to us. So, Lord, once you just oversee this brief time we have together, Lord, quicken our hearts to your truth. May your spirit work. Lord, we want to hear individually from you the implications of what you would have for each of us in this. And just thank you for it, Lord. Thank you that you have blessed us in Jesus Christ, and you blessed us that we might be a blessing. So now give us ears to hear, and we commit this time to you, and we pray it all in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said... Amen. You know, ancient Jewish lore tells the story of a rabbi named Rabbi Akiva. There's a number of stories of this fellow who was uh, born sometime after the time of Christ. But in ancient Jewish lore, there's a number of stories that go with him. He was a very learned man. Uh, he was a very God-fearing man. He was able to think through a lot of uh, tough theological issues. And on this one particular day, he was lost in thought. Rabbi Akiva was thought he was on his pathway to his home, but he was thinking so hard about something... He just wasn't aware of his surroundings. Have you ever been there? Okay. It's sort of like me. I know many times I've been in my car and driving and all of a sudden I end up someplace. I'm like, why am I here? You know, like, how did this happen? You know? And so this was sort of what was happening to Rabbi Akiva. He thought he was on his path home. It was getting dark out and uh, he took the wrong path. And before he knew it, he was far away from his intended destination. What shook him awake, though, was that he actually he came to a Roman outpost. And on this particular outpost, there was a guard tower. And the guard noticed him through the darkness of this fellow that was coming along. And as he was coming along, obviously to the guard's duty, he called out. And he challenged Rabbi Akiva with this question. He said, who are you? And why are you here? Well, this... Startled the rabbi, he was all paying attention to where he was now. And, and yet he didn't really know exactly what to say. So the voice boomed out of the darkness one more time. Who are you? And why are you here? Now Rabbi Akiva kind of collected his thoughts a little bit. And rather than answering the question directly, he actually he, he asked another question. He called back to the challenger and said, How much do they pay you every month to ask such questions? Now it was the guards turned to be a little startled and a bit flummoxed. And so he stammered back, uh, two shekels a month. What does it matter to you? And to that, Rabbi Akiva looked straight up and said, I will pay you twice that if you stand outside of my home every day and ask me that same question. Who are you? And why are you here? You see, if we're going to get into such a weighty matter of what God's heart is for the world and the implications that it has for you and for me, the implications that it has for Grace Community Church, the very first question that we need to be able to answer is, who are you? And why are you here? For those of us who are in Christ starting with the base of the Bible, the scriptures have this to say. If you are in here and you have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ to the best of your ability, if that's you, then the Bible tells us in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12, to as many as received him, him who? Him, Jesus. To as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. So who are you? If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you're God's kid. You've become his child. The Old Testament squares with this. The idea of here with Abraham where he was rectified through faith, justified through faith, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, says this of Abraham who was justified by faith. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a what blessing i will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you i will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed you see this is who we are supposed to be god's kids blessed that we might be a blessing This is who we are supposed to be. But are we? Are we now? And to that matter, why are we here? Elder John Y. read, I think, one of the most clearest elements of Scripture for us in the New Testament that helps to answer that question. Because it goes beyond, why are you here? Well, my wife made me come. Or, you know, I I was brought here by my parents. Maybe. But The real why here really comes from Matthew chapter 28, though. And this is where the scriptures are quite plain in terms of what the purpose of your life is if you've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus wanted to make it so plain that he said, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So what I'm about to tell you is super important. So take note of it. And he said this, go therefore and make Disciples of all nations. You know, many times people can read this and they can get the idea of the importance of making disciples, and they'll say that. Yeah, we need to make disciples that make disciples. and That's true, but it's only partially true. Because, see, the full command here is that we are to go as you are going, as part of your lifestyle, maybe go someplace where you haven't been before, and make a disciple of Jesus Christ of all nations. The word there for nations in the Greek is the word ethne, which literally means people group. You see, it's been aptly noted that the reason why global missions exists is because global worship doesn't yet. Um, And discipleship, at its heart, at its core, has got to be a global affair but is that what we really believe? I mean, it might seem plain enough, but do we really believe that? The reason why I ask is because here's the problem. A recent survey that was conducted by the Barna Group, which these are kind of the smart guys that study stuff like this, asked this question to practicing, and the key word here is practicing Christians. Is missions a mandate for all Christians? Before I even give you the answer, let's, let's go back. Let me go back. You tell me, Grace Community Church, it says, go therefore and make disciples, disciples of all nations. Is missions a mandate? Come on! Is missions a mandate? Yes. yes! Missions is a mandate. Well, let's go back to the question. So this was the question that was asked again. This isn't backslidden people. These are people that are in church. All right, and here's, here's their answer. 85% of pastors agreed. Well, that's great. I just don't want to happen to the other 15%. Okay? But more troubling, 46% of Christians says, yes, it's a mandate. What about the other 54? Is it a mandate? Yes. yes. So we need to move that to 100% because that's the truth. It is the mandate for all believers. So why why is that? If something is so clear in the Bible, then why? What, what's the disconnect? And I think the disconnect is, here's the reality. It's hard. You know what the, the, the disconnect is? Which one of the kids over here said it? Seven billion, right? It's a little bit hard for us to get our mind to mess around that reality. What does that mean? What does that mean? Over 3 billion people in over 7,000 people groups are currently unreached by the gospel. In a post-Google world, I know this is hard, so I want you to try to think about what this is telling you. This isn't telling you that they've heard the name of Jesus and said, nah, nah, What this statistic is telling us is that these are people that have never heard the name of Jesus. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, he asks, and I'll point out, he asks rhetorically, right? how, How can people believe in Jesus if they don't hear about him? And the answer is, they can't. They can't. 7,000 of the world's 17,000, little less than half, people groups are classified as unreached. What does all this mean? You say, is, you know, is this just one of those messages, one of these sermons where you're just trying to make me feel guilty? Are you going to start putting up a starved child now on the screen next? I mean, what, what do you want me to do about this, right? Is that, is that what this is about? i say, no, not at all. This this is not to make you feel guilty. This is to call you up to your rightful place. You see, you know what Jesus says of each of you if you've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus? You're a sinner, but you're a sinner that's been redeemed, and so now he has a new name for you. And then throughout the New Testament, he calls you saint because you've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus calls you things like, gives you word pictures to understand you, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not because you're so fantastic, but because he's so fantastic, you are a city on a hill. He says, of you his church. This church that he's built comes from the Greek word ekklesia. Do you know what that word literally means? That means Called out ones. In other words, you were once in darkness and now you are in light. You are called out from the empty way of life and been handed fullness of life. You are called to be a blesser, you're called to be a world changer. He says of you, you are the light of the world. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Rather, he puts it on its stand, and it gives light to everybody in the house. You are called to be a light bearer. You are called to be a world changer. You are called to be a blesser. Turn to the person to your right and tell them you are a blesser. Turn to the person you left and tell them you are a world changer. This is not some sort of pop psychology, positive self-help thinking. This is the reality if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's changed things. All things are made new. This is a very important reality for you to reckon with. This is at the core of who you are if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But then you get this. Um, but you know, Pastor Paul, I, don't, I just don't really feel like a blessing. So, so let me be honest with you. Let me be candid, okay? Okay. In this room, it's very possible the reason why you may not feel like a blessing, and I'm not being funny here, you may not be a blessing. Okay? You may not be a blessing. Because the way you become a true blessing to bless others is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you have never in your life come to a place where you have admitted, I am a sinner, I need Jesus, and asked him to come into your life, you are still on the outside of these things. Now the good news is, God wants to take you as an outsider and make you be an insider. That's what he says. He says, whoever will come. This is a wide open invitation. And if you haven't yet placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can do that at this very moment. You don't need to wait for some hollow separate section of time. You can say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Save me. Change me. Make me your kid. Forgive me. And he'll do that right now. And I challenge you to do that right now. So the reason why you may feel that you're not a blessing, so you may not be a blessing. But you can become one. Now, another reason you may not feel like a blessing, you may not feel like a blessing because although you come to Jesus and you've placed your faith and trust in him, you may not be growing. You may not be growing. And this is a separate section. Are you you actively seeking what's on his heart, on what his agenda, because what we're talking about is what's on his heart and it's on his agenda. He, He wants to use you like this but it requires something of us. It requires us then to look to him in faith and trust and obedience. There's a great verse, it's found in the book of Colossians, chapter two, verse six, and it says this, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. In other words, that same thing same urgency of faith that brought you to acknowledge that you were a sinner in need of a savior is the same sort of urgency he wants you to be able to operate on a day-to-day basis, trusting him for the next step of your life. Just as who received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9 unpacks this a little bit even more thoroughly. It says, for us all, finally, all of you, have unity of mind, the things that are on God's heart, Have that in your heart. Have that in your mind. Sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, what's the word? Bless. Bless. For to this you are what? Called that you might obtain a blessing. So in light of who we are and of why we're here, I'm going to challenge us this morning in our remaining time to look at three convictions that we need to develop if we as a church, Grace Community Church, if we as a church are going to have effective global outreach. If you as a Christian are going to be a world-viewed informed Christian in terms of what your role is in God's big kingdom-building contrast. So there's three things that we're going to look at. That must be true. So first of all, one of the convictions in our lives, there has got to be, there has got to be a contrast. There has got to be a contrast. And I'm not saying that you should be annoying. If you say that's the greatest contrast in my life, that's very a bad thing, okay? Last I checked, not a lot of people win other people to Jesus just because you win the argument, all right? So that's not the contrast we're looking for. Christian t-shirts, bumper stickers, they can all have their place as long as they're supported by some fundamental differences of what is going on in our life. I love the way the message paraphrase puts out Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Let me show it to you. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Isn't that great? So how about you, wherever you are in your life stage right now, what are your aspirations? What are your aspirations? I remember years ago, I was troubled by a young man that I spoke with and uh, he was going on to a very successful career. And he just noted, he said, you know what about my life? What it's really about, it's about two things, comfort and convenience, that's it. And I'm telling you right now, if that will be the sum total of your aspiration in life, um, you may want to rethink that. You may want to rethink that. It doesn't square real well with genuine Christianity, what Jesus talks about. So you may want to rethink that. Jesus said it this way. He said, listen, if anyone would come after me, he must pick up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would seek to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, both for my sake and for the gospel, will find it. Again, I love the way the the message paraphrases that particular word of Jesus. It says this way, says, If anyone wants to come with me, he has to let me lead. (laughs) You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me. I'll show you how. Self-help. It's no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to finding yourself. Your true self. You see, God calls you into a wider and a deeper life that is more abundant and more full. For many times we are just so too easily satisfied with the lesser. So instead, what should we have? We should have things like what the Bible talks about. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It comes from being attached to Jesus. Things like what the Bible mentions in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Now listen, I fall short of every single one of those. But because of Christ in increasing regularity in your life as you're dependent on him... You need to see more of that. You need to see more of that. This is a little bit of a tough spot, so we're going to have the short people in the room help us out again. So 12-year-olds and younger. I need two volunteers to come up on the platform with me. 12 years old and younger, I need you to come up. Yes, ma'am, number one. And yes, sir, in the back, number two. Come on up here. Grace Community Church, why don't you welcome them up? All right, we're going to put you right in the middle, right in the middle, and move that so you can be here, and you are right here, and why don't you come, and you can be right here. Okay. All right, sir, your name? Orion o- Orion. Orion. Good to meet you. I'm glad you're here. Yes, ma'am? Julia. Julia. All right, so Orion and Julia. All right, Orion, i got some good news for you. You get to play the role of Jesus today. Yes. Isn't that good? It's <laughs> a sweet deal, man. Uh, Julia, I got some bad news for you. You get to play the role of Pastor Paul. Oh. The, the good news is, is you get to stop being Pastor Paul. You know, I, I, I'm stuck. So, okay? so you can think of it that way. So, All right, Orion. So you're going to play the role of Jesus in this. And we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that Jesus said is how we bear fruit in our life. And one thing that he talks about is how he's like a strong vine. So when I need you, I'm going to put your hands up in the air, nice and strong. Tight fist, strong, okay, all right, so you're a strong vine, okay, thank you, Orion. Julia, all you need to do is just be attached to the vine, clink, there we go, all right, so there you go, so you're attached, and uh, we'll also give you a branch, too, there's a, okay, that's your branch, okay, can you guys hold on to that just for a little bit, you good, Orion, you good, okay, Julia, all right, all right, you hang on, so we're going to look, the rest of us, uh, Grace Community, you can turn to John chapter 15, and we'll also put it up on the screen for you. John chapter 15, verse 5. And this is what that Jesus had to say. John chapter 15, verse 5 says, where Orion's at, I am the vine. You, where Pastor Paul is attached here, are the branches, all right? The one who remains in me, and I in him, will, what does it say? Bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do a few things. Oh, it doesn't say that. Apart from Julie, what does it say? Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Do nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. All right. All right. So, Julia, here you are. You're attached to the vine. He's doing well. Now, you're 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 uh, looking over here on your branch. Do you see anything coming out of that branch? There's nothing. There's like nothing. Okay, because you're focusing on there. All right, let's focus instead on Jesus. There we go. All right, so you look at Jesus. And as you look at Jesus, okay, now open your eyes, look over to that branch. What do you see? Oh, there's something coming, right? Okay. You're going to get something too. There we go, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and give him a hand together, can we? Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So as they help demonstrate... You know, here's the deal. This is how we bear fruit. We're attached to the vine. We focus on the vine. We focus on Jesus. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. So there should be a contrast to our life, and that's how we get there. Secondly, not only should there be a contrast in our life, there is a cost to be reckoned with. There's a cost. You know, salvation is a free gift if you place your faith and trust in Jesus. But the cost to the Son of God is staggering. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And by his wounds, you have been healed. So that's what's been given to us. But again, that cost obviously was staggering. Now that cost should cause us to love. And that's why Jesus said, you need to love as I have loved you. So how about it in your life? Do you have grace-filled interactions with other people? Or are they more performance-based? Are they more exacting? In the Old Testament, it says in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You know, the... Contemporary understanding among Jews in the time of Jesus was that that neighbor was just fellow Israelites. Just people like them. Just people they liked. And honestly, that becomes our default definition many times ourselves, doesn't it? Just people that are like us. People that we like. But Jesus expanded that definition. Now, for his sake of time, we don't have the opportunity to go all into it, but Jesus told a story to the Jews of the day which represented a person, a Samaritan, who was completely different than them culturally, who was completely different than them geographically, who was completely different than them politically. And he said, you know what? That's your neighbor. That's your neighbor. In the measure of my love and whom I love would should communicate to the person not that just should like me, but that's different from me culturally, that's different from me geographically, that's different from me politically. This is the person that I should love. That type of love is truly costly. I really appreciate it. I asked Pastor Brooks permission just to share this. But one thing that he took is his takeaway. You know, he'd spent some time away from us on a sabbatical, and when he came back, he said, you know, the greatest takeaway is that I need to love better. And I think that's the greatest takeaway for any of us if we can come to that conviction that we need to love better. Jesus' disciples still didn't get it. a portion of being together with him for a long time. And so it was in the Gospel of John chapter 4. He said, listen, open your eyes for the fields that are white unto salvation. But opening our eyes means that we need to look. Our neighbors are not just those that are across the street, but they're across a culture, maybe. Maybe they are across a country. Or maybe they're across a barrier. And if they're that far away and hard to go, someone needs to go to them. We mentioned the scripture earlier in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15. It says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Here's the reality. If the globe is truly our mission field, being sent is a costly endeavor. You know, I'm at this stage right now in the past few years, my oldest daughter has indicated she believes that she needs to go to an unreached people group. That's where her heart is. This past week, I just put my middle girl on a plane to go to Romania, um, where she is spending some time helping with her Ukrainian refugees. My son ships out with the Air Force, and he's told me already, he says, Dad, I really think I just want to be on a base outside of the United States for a while. And here's a confession that I have as the global outreach pastor at Grace Community Church. You want to hear it? Here's my confession. I don't want them to go. I don't want them to go. I don't want them to go. I'm, I'm going miss, to miss them, right? But, but the reality is, what do we miss individually and collectively when we ignore a pretty clear command of Scripture? You know, Jesus, he wept over Jerusalem. I think it's fitting for us to ask ourselves, what city do we weep over if we are truly in line with his heart and what he's thinking about? Last week as we conclude, not only is there a cost, but there is indeed a call. You know, we talked about it earlier as we began. All of us were called as light bearers. We are called as kingdom planners. We are called to go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if that wasn't clear enough, there's several core things that the Lord uses throughout the New Testament to describe you and to describe me. Do you know one thing that he calls you? He says that you are a minister. You think I'm the minister? Sorry, wrong. I'm a minister in as much as you are. I'm a pastor, which is different, but we are called and He has made us, listen, the term is competent as ministers. You say, I don't feel like I can do this. That's okay. You can't do this. None of us can do this. Only with Jesus' help through each of us can we do any of this. He calls us not only ministers, he actually calls us priests. I have several good Catholic friends that always think I'm a priest. I have to tell them, I'm not a priest. You know? But in the wider lens of what God calls us to, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he says you're a kingdom of priests. He not only calls us ministers and priests, he says you are my witnesses and listen to the scope that he talks about both in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Do you see the concentric circles? God's heart is for the ends of the earth. So I don't want you to mishear me. I'm not saying that every single person seated in this auditorium today must change their zip code. But there might be a lot more than we realize. There might be many more than we realize. And... All of us are called to be involved on one level or another. And you know, this is important. And this is something that I think maybe after all we have collectively been through with all the nonsense of the pandemic, I hope that maybe we're a little bit more having the appetite as a church to consider what Jesus is asking us. Because if anything, we've gone through the pandemic, we've all suffered emotionally, we all have emotional problems and health issues and all sorts of things that have just all really messed us up. And yet for optimal mental health, you know what psychologists tell that we all need? Here's what they would say. for If you're a human being, this is what you need. You need to have something to do. You need to have something to look forward to. And you need to have someone to love. For optimal mental health, all right, you need to have something to do, Something to look forward to and someone to love. I don't know about you, but it sounds suspiciously like the Great Commission to me. It sounds suspiciously like the claim that Jesus made. It sounds suspiciously like the core of the gospel. It's a free gift given to you that you have been blessed with. That you might be a blessing. And he gives you something to do. He gives you something to look forward to. And he gives you someone to love, both in the vertical and the horizontal. You see, for a Christian, it's so different. The rest of life is all waning down. For a Christian, especially when we embrace the purposes of God, this is just the dress rehearsal. It's all getting geared up. And this is the proper perspective that we're to have of what the scriptures teach us and how we might truly have a global impact. We just have a minute or two left, so let me just share in closing with this. Last week, if you made it to this service, there was a young man who was baptized. His name was Sam I thought, oh wow! And he shared this after he was baptized. I thought this is just too good. I didn't get a chance to put it up on the PowerPoint, but um, I just want to share the quote that he mentioned as he was baptized, and referencing. Um, the Great Commission. Now, we, we uh, pulled this apart a little bit more. We focused in on all the implications of what it means globally. But this, this young man, his name was Sam, as he was baptized last week. Let me read you what he concluded as he was baptized regarding the Great Commission. You know what he said? He said this. He said, you know, it's not a suggestion to be considered, uh, but it's a command to be obeyed. I said, Sam, I, I can't agree with you more. Well said. So as we wrap up, how do we conclude this? If we're really going to be a blessing to our community and that community really extends to the ends of the earth, how do we proceed? It's not a question of if I should go. It's really a question of where God would have me go. And I can't give you that answer, but God can. And so as we wrap up, we're going to have someone, I think one of our musicians is going to come up, and we're just going to spend just a couple brief hallowed moments. And what I would like you to do is simply ask God that question, where do you want me, Lord? As your light bearer, as a blesser, as your kingdom representative, where do you want me? And what I'd like you to do just to help you kind of guide your, your your thoughts on this and the people that love you here, I'd like you to pull out your smartphone. If you go to graceb3.org, that's just our landing page, it's just the main website, and you go backslash go22, go22, And it's a four or five questions it's going to walk you through, and that will just help you, it'll help us with follow-up on some of the things that God places on your heart. It'll just take you a moment. So in these quiet moments, number one, you pray, Okay. Number two, I'd like you to take out your smartphone and look to graceb 3org go 22. Walk through that. It'll take you about another 30 seconds or so. Um, And we're just going to give you a few moments, and we're going to just consecrate this time to the Lord. And then I'll be back to let you go.